ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. Many ways, but I'm giving you two in particular today. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. I'm in studio today with Dr. Jason Heron. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you again. Um, We had Jason on recently to talk about the virtue of prudence. This is part of a a four-part series on the, the four cardinal moral virtues Prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. And today, we're going to be talking about the virtue, if you listen to the list, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude. Look at what the virtue of justice. Um, justice is a commonly used word that is not always used uh, very accurately or precisely or well. So we're going to be diving into that. What, is, what does it mean to be just? What is justice? How do you grow in justice? What isn't justice? That's being misused today. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. But before we get into the nitty gritty, um, in case you've never listened to the show, want to introduce yourselves. Jason, would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Jason Heron. <clears throat> I teach theology at Mount Marty College in Yankton, South Dakota. Uh, my wife's name is Hannah. We've been married for 17 years. We have six kids. Uh, oh, I also live with my mother-in-law. Uh, so we have a very full house uh, down in Yankton. And um, we just moved here two years ago. I'm going into my third year at Mount Marty. And we moved here from Dayton, Ohio, where I was doing my PhD work at the University of Dayton. Okay. But you, you grew up in Sioux Falls as well, right? I went to Roosevelt High School. I was a rough rider. Rough rider. West side. Yep. Uh, I don't have a lot of school pride, but most of that was due to, uh, I have an enormous head and I had to wear a very hard Teddy Roosevelt hat in marching band. Oh, and so I just, I just remember being a rough rider as something that really hurt. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The hat just did not fit. All um, right. Yeah. There anyway, we, there we go. It's a stupid anecdote. Well, but, that, that's what we do yeah, on Ignition is yeah. tell stupid anecdotes. Yeah. Uh, my name is Chris Bergwald. Uh, I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role since 2002. So 17 years plus as you're listening to this. Um, my wife, Jermaine, and I have been married for 20 years um, this, this past July. And we have five kids. All of them are born and raised in Sioux Falls. What's, Jason, what's the spread, oldest to youngest, age-wise for you? 13 to 2, almost 3. Almost 3. Boy, girl? Two girls, two boys, two girls. Oh, really? Down the line, yeah. Down the line. Um, four girls, one boy. Uh, the boy is a twin of one of his sisters, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they were born 19 months after the oldest. So that was Holy fun. For, uh, yeah. Holy cow. I, I don't remember much of that, and I'm glad I don't. Chris is crying right now. <laughs> So speaking of uh, injustices, <laughs> yeah, 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 some things are not fair. <clears throat> not fair. Um, we did complain about that a lot. This isn't fair. Um, <laughs> no one listened. That's right. Uh, the virtue of, of justice and Jason before before we start recording is okay. So now justice, you're like, oh no, what? Don't you like justice? What's the problem? 
I love justice. Everybody loves justice, but uh, it's the most notorious uh, of the cardinal virtues because it's very difficult to pin down. It's the virtue that um, has the most to do with the uncontrollable factors of other people. I'm, I'm, I might feel that I am just, but I'm living in a, a world surrounded by unjust people perhaps, or I'm the unjust one and they're all just, and that's annoying too. Uh, well, so, I was say, so you're not speaking literally about no, not Marty literally. College. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing about any, all of that was, yes. I, yes, hypothetical. I'm going to uh, get you in so much trouble. Yes, I yes, know I am. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm surrounded by justice every day. There I said it. There we go. Um, yeah, well, we value it uh, because we sense <clears throat> deeply in our bones that it's uh, fundamental to a happy life. But the people who suffer the most, people who have the least happy lives, typically have it because of situations of injustice, whether it's injustice in their own hearts or injustice at an interpersonal level or a societal level. Um, it's just, a, it's a very difficult topic. Doesn't mean that it should be ignored. Of course not. But if you go to the library and look at all the books about the individual cardinal virtues, the shelf, the shelves for justice far outstrip big shelves big books. far outstrip the the shelves for the other three virtues so speaking of which before we dive further into what justice is in case uh in case somebody's listening to this didn't hear our episode on prudence we talked at the beginning of that episode just briefly about what the cardinal moral virtues are and i think we should we should just briefly touch on that again for the the new listeners to today so these these four virtues justice is one of them we're going to spend most of today on it but what are the four cardinal what do we mean by them being four cardinal moral virtues the cardinal virtues are the four virtues that you must have if you want to be free and happy. So um, they're called cardinal because that comes from a Latin word, cardo, which means hinge. And so um, we say that the moral life hinges on on these virtues, on the possession of these virtues. Uh, that's the way I would speak about it, at least. There might be other reasons to use the word hinge, but it seems like freedom and happiness kind of depend on or hinge on whether or not you are a just, prudent, courageous, self-controlled person. So, so if you want to be have that interior freedom, truly free, whatever, despite whatever's going on around you, despite whatever circumstance you find yourself, if you want to be truly happy, despite whatever's going around you, despite despite whatever circumstance you find yourself, you want to flourish as a human being. Mm. Um, you want to grow in, and, and, and we talked just briefly how probably all of us have these four virtues to some degree, mm -hmm. but we want to grow in all of them to become freer, happier, and to flourish more. Right, right. And I think it's important that you're saying interior freedom, right? Your external circumstances could be anything. Right. And you could still have these four virtues. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, can you summarize our episode on prudence in 30 seconds? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> we said that prudence is the ability to make creative decisions in very difficult circumstances with a reasonable degree of certainty and confidence um, and speed. Like Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady. <laughs> You're like, Tom Brady what the that? heck are you talking about? Right. You got to go listen back to that episode. Uh, I'm going to see if our engineer can remind me of what the number of the episode of Ignition was um, in just a moment. 373. 
Thanks, Kevin. Three, episode eight, 373 of Ignition, we talked about prudence. Today, though, we're talking about justice. And Jason, I think you, you mentioned you have six kids. We have five. The One of the cries of the child... My favorite question from a child is 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 because it's my favorite question is why, mm-hmm. but the probably favorite assertion of the child <laughs> is that's not fair. Right, right, right. So we have as children an innate sense of fairness, whether we understand it and deploy it properly is is the question. But fairness is very much related to, if not synonymous with justice. So when we say, uh, what is justice? We, 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 I know, I know. It's so unfair of me, but it is an unjust question. I, yes, given nice. given the history of of this topic, yeah. But but remember, you're not speaking here to other moral theologians. That's right. That's you're speaking right. just to good people, men and women of the prairie of South Dakota right. and the region. Right. So what they're not just... interested in the fine distinctions sure, that sure, we theologians sure, sure, make. Sure. Uh, okay, so we could talk about. We could begin a, a conversation about what is justice with two different images, I think, that are helpful. To is sort it Tom of, Brady again? Yeah. Well, one is Tom Brady, oh. <laughs> uh, and then the other one is another one. Um, so, well, let's start with Tom. Uh, Plato would have said, this, the philosopher Plato would have said that um, justice is the harmonious ordering of your soul. Mm. And... Uh, he would have included in that, like, if you have courage and self-control and prudence and the rest of your life is all well-ordered, then you are a just person. And what he was thinking of is, um, we can understand by analogy with Tom Brady's face. Uh, <laughs> Tom Brady Tom Brady is a very handsome man. I don't, this is an undeniable fact. Whether he cheated or not, he's a beautiful man. And this, we we can recognize his beauty because his face is like symmetrical. Right. It's, yes. it's well organized. Yep. In a way that my my nose veers off to the right, and one eye is a little bit more open <laughs> than the other, and I've got all these, you know, injustices in my face. There you go. And Tom Brady has none of those. He's just he's you know you could measure his face, and it's all proportional. Sure. And so you can think about justice as proportion. Okay. And proper proportion, things organized well. Okay. And that's a really easy way to understand why justice is such a social and political matter because it's a, it's a, it's a question of how things that we have in common are organized among us. Okay. And it's very easy to see, you know, I don't have enough and those people have too much. These things don't seem to be organized very well. Okay. Proportioned well. Yeah. Proportioned well or apportioned well, right? There's all these, these connections in the language that we use, but then the follow-up image would be uh, in a situation like that, where you think that person has, more than I do, and I have less than that person, and that's not fair. The other image that we often have is the image of the scales. Mm-hmm. And so this is not quite the same thing as saying Tom Brady's face is, is beautifully symmetrical. It's more um, a question of balance between two two um, different things, okay. two uh, unrelated things even. Okay. Um, you know, the old image of the merchant with his his scales and his weights, and then he yep. measures the spice against the weight and everything, yep. and you want it all to be fair and equal. Okay. Um, and so then it's not really about proportion, it's about equality. And okay. very quickly we get to the child's cry. That's this the... is not fair, you know. This My situation is lighter or heavier than the other person's situation, and so the scales are out of balance, and 
this is the more familiar. I think the Tom Brady analogy is a, maybe a little less familiar way to talk about uh, justice. But the scales, of course, the lady justice with blind a blindfold yep. on, a sword, yep. and the scales. That's that's where that comes from. Is this sense that things could be in balance between us? Okay, so um, ooh, this might be anticipating. I want to I, I want to end by talking about how we grow in justice. Like, so my question for now is anticipating that is going to be so. Can you grow in both senses of justice? I mean, your nose is going to the right no matter what you do, right? <laughs> so, I mean, how that, that first sense, first sense of of properly proportioned, um, well ordered, uh, is it possible to grow? It, well, I guess you can. Plato said um, it's the harmoni- harmonious ordering of your soul. So your face, notwithstanding, my face is is screwed no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> just there's no hope. But your soul can become more just. Yes. I hope so. I hope so. Yes, this is the from a Christian perspective, this is the goal of of life to be to become so well proportioned that other people look at you and they see the beauty of Christ. Um, what would it look like to be? Unproportioned, like what? What, what is? What does that mean? I mean, I, I don't think it means. Maybe you're. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Like when, I, like to have too much. Let's pick temperance. We haven't gotten there. Like it, proportion. Like when I think of something that's not properly proportioned, well ordered. Like um, you've got way too much of one particular virtue to the gro- gross neglect of the others. But I, I'm feeling that's a problem, not along those well, lines. I mean, this is. Uh, the word for that would be having vices, right? Okay. Right. You would have an excess of this virtue, and so that would be a vice, and you'd have a, a deficit of this virtue, and that would be a vice. And so if you start to think of everything as a harmonious whole, and then you start to take certain elements of that whole out of proportion, um, yeah, I think that's that's a great way to understand the the state that, uh, that we are in, um, Prior to sainthood, so right? what does it look like to have too much of one virtue? Like if you if you could pick any of the virtues um, right now in your mind, and 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 you have too much of it, such that it becomes uh, you're vicious. That that's a mm-hmm. vice. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you put can you paint a picture like so, give an example? Right, we've already talked about prudence. So if you're if you have an excess of prudence, too much prudence, then you might never make a decision because you're constantly calculating your options. That would be like one possibility okay. for having an excess of, of prudence. Okay. Now, it's important, I think, to note here, <clears throat> it, 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 there's a excess in sense of proportion. Like we should always grow in prudence. We don't want to say that we don't want to grow. Therefore, well, I've got enough prudence. No, we, we never have enough prudence. We can have too much prudence in relation, in proportion to the other virtues. Sure, and in proportion to whatever the circumstance calls for. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm on with Dr. Jason Heron today, and we're talking about the virtue of justice. We've already talked about Tom Brady's face as opposed to Jason's face. Um, <laughs> and the sense of, of justice as, as a harmonious ordering of things, of your soul, of society, etc. But we, were, we, we started to talk, Jason, about the, the more commonly known, well-known sense of justice that is of equality. Uh, and, and this is where, like, when I think of what justice is, the, the definition that comes to my mind is justice to be just means to give another what is due to them mm-hmm. or treating equals equally. Mm-hmm. Um, are both of those along the lines of what we're talking about here? Yes. I think the the classic definition to render each one is due uh, is, is a fine definition 
but it immediately opens all of the problems that made me sigh when we said we were going to talk about justice. Um, what is due to other people is something that can be calculated in any number of ways. And it really matters who's doing the calculating. Sure. If you are the Lord of the manor and you're deciding what is due to your serfs, yeah. you, you measure that what's due to them in, in one way. And the serfs probably disagree though. They're terrified to tell you that. Right. Um, so, in order to really properly assess what is due to another person, you have to be a just person. Mm-hmm. You have to have a, a righteous will. And um, so the action of rendering to others what is due to them is, of course, totally central or ingredient to the virtue of justice. But when we're talking about the possession of the virtues, we are talking about the perfection of of a human person's life. And um, in order to, for me to render what is due to you, I need to have a just will. This would be the, more in, in, the, in the biblical sense, right? A, a just or a righteous mm-hmm. will. And the way I like to speak about that with my students, um, I'm gonna try to wrap our minds around what it would be like to have a, a just will or a righteous will, is just to think of, um, like when you left justify your document in Word, oh, yeah, you're you're putting all your text according to some standard on the left. Okay, the margin is at whatever inches, and it's all straight and true according to that plumb line. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your will, that that line or that that thing that you're being justified against is is God's righteousness or God's justice. And so. Um, the question of how do I render to others what is due to them or what, how do I know what is due to them is only possible to ask if we're, if we're willing to acknowledge that our wills also need to be, become like God's. And then we can start to have a conversation about how do I know what's due to other people and am I the sort of person that can actually render it? Um, these, are, these, these make... Uh, these kinds of qualifications that I'm offering just make justice incredibly difficult. Right. And so in that difficulty, what we usually end up saying is, well, the government should take care of that problem or my boss should take care of that problem or the city should take care of that problem uh, because those people don't have enough or that person has too much or, you know, something's unfair or something's out of balance. And um, justice, conversations about justice, I think end up being a lot of just offloading our responsibility for having a righteous will to external factors, just so we don't have to do the complex work of becoming more like, more like our creator. So this goes back to the reality that um, if, if the, if a citizenry isn't just, so if the members of a society, mm. if the citizens of a society of a nation, whatever, aren't just, then the society, the nation right. isn't going to be just. Right. We can, Hope for just procedures, just protocols, just bureaucracy, but um, those procedures and protocols and bureaucracy are also comprised by humans. And if they're not just, I mean, yeah. if if you have no justice in the will anywhere in the land, um, hoping that things turn out well for the people who are the most disadvantaged, the people who are suffering injustice the most, is is pretty foolish. I'm thinking, you know, this is going to go a little bit 
uh, deeper. We're just going to dip our toe briefly in the deep end of the pool here, Jason. I'm thinking of there's a a, a famous moral philosopher named Alistair McIntyre who talked a lot about growing in virtues and contrasted it to how in much of modern society, um, instead of growing in virtue, we grow in bureaucracy. Mm. Uh, and and just that's I, I'm thinking of that here uh, as as you were speaking about in, here we're talking about justice in particular, but if if individuals more and more individuals within within a group uh, within a collective within a society lack justice, then bureaucracy has to be compounded. Or we we think that we solve the problems by by growing the bureaucracy that is the procedures, the policies, the the processes by which we seek to achieve a just community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't in the end work. Well, I yeah. So here's another sigh about the the uh, topic of justice. I don't want to say that we don't want any procedures or policies or bureaucracies sure. to support people who are suffering injustice. I myself have benefited greatly from bureaucracy um, and the justice that bureaucracy tries to affect in society. But I, I do think you're right. It doesn't mean we have a just society. Right. It right. means that in the face of our injustice, we've just said, Look, somebody's got to take care of some of these problems. Hopefully, these poor people in this office over here, if they get enough paperwork, they'll do it. Right. So, um, yeah, it's I'm I'm a fan of McIntyre on this point. I think it's I think it's insightful, and it's it's to do with that that choice to to purify and and perfect the will. And if it's not there, you're right. You're gonna you're gonna want you want to live in a society that's just. Amen. Right. Everybody wants that. Yep. Yep. That's we don't have a question about that. But the cost to you personally of becoming a just person to make that society just is a very steep cost. It's a, it's a heavy cost. And so it's oftentimes a lot easier just to hope that magically the, the society will become just if we just can find the right program right. and the right person to shuffle the papers around. Right. And that's so not the case. I don't, I don't think that's justice, even right. if it is still important and necessary. Right. So... That we've got about just over five minutes to go, which I think we're set up perfectly here now. Then going from City Hall back to the child's heart and cry of the heart. That's not fair. How do I, as an, and what you were just saying about the need for us really to to grow in justice, how do we do that? And, and, and if people haven't, I'm guessing it's going to be similar to the answer you gave with prudence, <laughs> but you never know. Right, right. How do we become more just, Jason? Right. So this always sounds like a punt from someone who's interested in virtue that if you want to know what it's like to have that virtue, or if you want to grow in that virtue, you need to find some people who are, who have that virtue and then you need to copy them. You need to spend time with them. You need to see how they conduct themselves. Um, I still stand by that answer, right? It's it, but, but I, I, I say that with the full knowledge that it's a frustrating answer. Um, John Rawls wrote yeah. a very famous book called A Theory of Justice. Um, I don't recommend reading it unless <laughs> you really, really, really want to get deep in deep into some soup. It's a great book, but um, he he tried really hard to give us an account of how we could have justice in a society without the requiring people to follow exemplars, without requiring people to rectify their will. And it's an elegant and a beautiful effort, and I don't think that it succeeds. Um, but the task of becoming 
more just from a Christian perspective should be, I think we should just say it's the task of becoming more righteous. So we do have um, one master to apprentice ourselves to. Mm. And um, I think that for a Christian, if, if, if you are interested in growing in the virtue of justice, um, and that shouldn't be an if, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you need to spend as much time as possible with Jesus. I think you need to saturate yourself in the gospel. You need to um, worship regularly. And um, those two practices, I think, will uh, do their work on you. I mean, worship classically is mm -hmm. annexed to uh, a virtue of religion, which falls under justice. And so when we worship, we render to God what is due to, due him. to him. And um, this cannot help but have a healing effect on a, on a disordered and a disproportionate soul. So I think, I think worship is time with Jesus and, and worship is like an ideal recipe for growing in justice. It doesn't mean it's going to be easier. It's going to feel good all the time or whatever. It's still growth. And Aristotle said, those who are learning are in pain. So it's, it's still gonna, it's still gonna be, you know, a struggle like any sort of development. My kids is. would agree right, with that. Right, right, right. It's still going to be, you know, whatever normal growing pains you ever associate with moral development. Mm. But um, in this case, it's a it's a beautiful and elegant and uh, I think deeply reassuring solution to the problem of injustice in the soul. I love that because that that's a way where you can take one um, one particular facet of justice. It's, 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 a, it's a, a child or maybe a grandchild of the virtue of justice, uh, religion, and then worship. But if I focus on that, then that will bleed over, if you will, into the other relationships mm -hmm. that I have. So that's my relationship with God, but that'll bleed it over into my relationship with my wife, with mm -hmm. my kids, with my coworkers, with my neighbors. Yeah, I think this is the, um, maybe one way to say the story of the entire Old Testament. Mm. People were failing to worship. <clears throat> Uh, right. the Lord right, and the consequences were injustice in their hearts and in their society. So right. um, that'd be the third thing then spend time with Jesus in worship and then read the old Testament to see how not to do it. <laughs> the counter, the counter yeah. narrative. Yeah. Um, we've got just about a minute to go, Jason and any, so I get, I don't know, maybe, maybe we don't need to, maybe we can just blather on for a minute because you just sort of gave a great, great summary of how to grow in this virtue of, of giving others what is due to them to spend time in the gospels, spend time worshiping God, and then pay attention to the old Testament to see examples of how not to do it. Uh, yeah. And now that I say that, I really am scared, uh, that someone will think that I mean that like the old Testament is a great how not to book. I, I just mean in terms of justice and worship, there's some really uh, amazing examples, but it's also a how to book. It, it's both how to yes. and how not to. We right. see the negative. And, and again, and we talked about this with prudence too, um, spending time in right worship, which includes participation in the sacramental life of the church, mm -hmm. receiving the Eucharist, receiving reconciliation, it's confession, uh, growing um, in those practices, prayer, so that's another one, another way in which I worship. When we do those, we're growing in those areas of justice, which will um, lead us to grow in all the aspects of justice.
Yes. Amen. I think that's right. I All hope right. it's right. Sounds good. Thanks for being with, with us again, Jason. Thank you. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Ignition. Uh, again, we're talking about prudence, justice, and in the next couple episodes, temperance and fortitude. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us at sfdiocese with the hashtag ignition with any thoughts questions or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.